Welcome to the Zelda Informer podcast. I am your host, Alfred Tabex, joined again and always by my great Canadian friend, Andy Spatiri. Hello, everybody. So, we don't really have any Zelda news to talk about, but that doesn't mean we don't have anything to talk about. Um, first right. off, I uh, just want to preface what we're going to talk about. The first thing, with I have been playing Persona 5 like crazy. I don't remember when I started, but I have 70 hours sunk into that game, and I'm absolutely in love with it. And the soundtrack is freaking amazing to that game. So if you've got a PlayStation 4, pick it up. If you're not into JRPGs, you know, that's fine, but I, I just think it's amazing. Like, I bought off of Amazon the, like, three-disc soundtrack for this game just because it was so great. What <clears> kind of a soundtrack does it have? Like, kind of like a poppy it's, Japanese soundtrack? It's or, like, we're talking, like, Final Fantasy? Jazzy. Um, mm, okay. To fit in with, like, the theme of the game, I guess, it's, like, the theme is, like, uh, thieves, like, smooth thieves, basically. Um, and so it's got, like, a really jazzy soundtrack, and I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I have not stopped listening to it, and my wife is completely tired of it, um, but I'm enjoying it. Anyways, <clears throat> it got me thinking um, about how important music is in video games, and how... It affects our memories of the game, how it affects, um, <clears throat> I guess, our overall idea of what the game is. So, especially in the realm of Zelda, I know this was a big uh, area of contention when Breath of the Wild uh, was announced that it was, wasn't going to have these fantastical soundtracks that we've heard in past mm-hmm. games. A lot of people were upset with that um, because music <clears throat> is a crucial part of Zelda. I mean, there's a reason why we have the Symphony of the Goddess going around everywhere it's because of how great the music yep. is um that's not to say breath of the wild didn't have music and didn't have a great soundtrack but <clears throat> when we think of these games when we think of games in general um or, or more stylized games i'll put it that way like you typically don't think oh man call of duty had such a great soundtrack but it's going to get best soundtrack at the vgas this year it's it's the more <clears throat> call of duty would, would have great sound design like yeah. the like the bullets and the ships and stuff but a great soundtrack yeah i mean look at lord of the rings the soundtrack for those movies mm-hmm. all three movies said you know i could hum every soundtrack right now and tell you the exact scene that that <laughs> soundtrack was playing in so exactly uh, it's stuff like that like things that i'm, I'm like a memorable. big music person so that and i um, some people have told me that like i um i associate a lot of my memory with music yeah so if i like if i hear a song playing i'll just be like oh this reminds me of this time or this person or whatever so i'm, I'm very like music oriented like that so i can think of several um examples in video games and some in zelda where there's just been like that one awesome piece of music playing and it just enhances the moment enhances the scene makes it makes everything awesome mm. um I th- mm-hmm. If I had to say, like, I think the one that would immediately come to mind for me would be uh, Fee's Farewell from Skyward Sword. Yeah. And Fee's Gratitude. I mean, that, like, that little piano ballad playing and then the the moment that was happening and, like, you know, a lot of people kind of kind of jump on her and saying that she was kind of annoying, but, like, but man, that scene was just so good that it just pretty much erased all of her faults for me. So, like, <laughs> that's the power of music. I mean, I think for me, the the one that I always go back to with Zelda is the final boss fight in Wind Waker with Ganon, like mm-hmm. how climactic that was thanks to the music. Like it was already, yeah. the stage was already set for like this amazing like fight, <clears throat> but like just the music in general 
was just like overpowering and symphonic and it just really set the stage and set the mood for it um, i have i have goosebumps i don't know if anyone can see that but <laughs> that like it, it was so good and with and I love I love the Wind Waker's final battle and that theme was mm-hmm. incredible, but almost like as incredible it was the Twilight Princess final theme. But what yeah. I thought was the most incredible thing about both of them is you're both fighting the same person, but just the the changing of the theme in that is is so reflective of the game. Like like the Twilight Princess theme was a little bit more primal, a little bit more there was a little bit more drums. It just felt like mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the power of music. It's uh, both of those are just like amazing, amazing um, tracks that I listen to when I go to the gym because they pump mm-hmm. me up. And I, I'd just like to take this moment to to tell people like if you're really into Zelda music, you're really into the Symphony of the Goddess. A while back, I did an interview with Jeron Moore, the guy that's uh, kind of in charge of the Pokemon Symphony and then the Zelda Symphony. Um, I'll probably link to it in the description. But uh, did a pretty pretty long interview with him um, about music and about music and Zelda. Um, he mentioned the final battle with Ganondorf in Twilight Princess and how the music really made that for him. Um, mm-hmm. And if anybody can talk about music, it'd be him. So <clears throat> just just kind of that that idea and that topic that I just want to bring up and, and kind of get more in depth on is, you know, how not just maybe not necessarily just in Zelda, but how music can really set the stage in a video game um, in the same way it can in a movie um, and sometimes even more so. Uh, like, for example, when you go into, um, <clears throat> even going, okay, going far, far back to like the dawn of video games, talking about Super Mario Bros. Um, the theme for Super Mario Bros. is, is iconic. Um, that's not really what I'm, what I'm getting at here is whenever the time would hit a hundred seconds, you had a hundred seconds left, it would speed up. And so you, it had a greater sense of urgency because of that. And so the music... It, you weren't moving faster, but the music made it seem like you were moving faster. You were more hurried. Um, and so I just think about like even something as simple as that, how music completely changed the way you perceived the game um, and perceived how you're moving in the game just based on like one you know tempo change. Well even like even like little chimes like like Zelda, my my ringtone is the Zelda you found a secret chime, you know. Mm-hmm. So how how you can just associate, you know, um, success with that musical cue that mm-hmm. I think is really cool. That um, that is really a video game thing because you didn't have that in uh, in movies or anything beforehand. So yeah. that's something that I think that I really like um, about it. Um, yeah, like when. So when Breath of the Wild first came out, I kind of uh, I, I was I was critical of its soundtrack, and I think I still am critical of its soundtrack, really. And I understand the whole stylistic choice of it, but yeah, just like to me, to me, music is a big part of that game, and so that's why sometimes like open world games just don't connect with me as much because they typically tend to have uh, more subdued soundtracks. Yeah. So, and like I said, that's a lot of my memories kind of linked to to the soundtracks like i could probably hum you like the xenoblade chronicles x you know themes for their worlds right now oh my you gosh. know as annoying as they could be <laughs> so yeah that that hub world know. soundtrack is uh okay, okay no i couldn't come you the subworld i don't maybe oblivia but like the subworld was pretty bad that, no, I don't know the, the like the main hub world that music for yeah that, that, that like kind of and it was all so loud like all the I time know. 
I don't even know how to describe that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> see that I I agree that it's it's really hard. Like I think the only reason I remember the um, Breath of the Wild tracks is because it's Zelda. Um, if it mm-hmm. wasn't Zelda, I probably wouldn't remember them and probably wouldn't be able to recall them as as clearly as I can. Um, and I'm talking about more the overworld theme and and stuff like that, but. Even the <clears throat> the town themes, like I remember Zora's Domain and the Rito Village and um, stuff like that. Like I can recall that better than I can, you know, and people are going to hate me for this because apparently this is a really popular song or track from Skyrim, but the streets of Whiterun. Like I, I could not tell you that at all. And I've sunk probably about 60, 70 hours into that game. I, I couldn't tell Honestly, you. Honestly, I couldn't tell you a single about. track from Skyrim. There's a lot of good things about Skyrim, but <clears throat> the only thing and, I and remember... the music itself was was fine. But it was just like it, it was kind of the definition of like subtle enhancement music rather than like a powerful score. Except for um, like the the Dovahkiin sound like theme. That's the only one that I remember. But like the the rest of it, I, I just it. It was good for the game. Like, it fit well into the game. I just don't yeah, remember yeah. it. It's not, like, cognizant in my mind. Like, I can't recall it the same way I can, you know, other games or, you know, Persona 5 or Zelda. And, again, like I said, I think the only reason I remember Breath of the Wild's soundtrack is because it's Breath of the Wild. And because I, like, when I took in that game, I took in every single detail of that game. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, from, from whatever, for whatever reason, like, I absorbed the game fully. And I don't. Well, I mean, how about this? Do you remember mm-hmm. the first time that you ever set foot into Fendrana Drifts? In, I do. In Metroid, in Metroid Prime? Prime? Yeah. Yeah. I do. That was amazing. You want to like talk about a game with a fantastic The snow falling, the, the little piano there, like, oh, it was so good. And, and the music made it. Mm-hmm. Well, that game... That, that game, I mean, that or game those... top to bottom, was just... And, and really, like, the whole Metroid series, you know... Well, those is, games thrive off of the music. good to great. Like, yeah. the music, it adds to the atmosphere of the game in such an amazing way. Especially, like, you were talking about Financial Drifts. Like, it's just... It's quiet but eerie still. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, a theme for the most of the games. Like, the one I always think about uh, is the Cloud City in Metroid Prime 3. Um, Elysia, I think. Yeah. And how like creepy that place is, despite like, we talked about this, I think last week or two weeks ago, um, is how unnerving it is, but how beautiful it is at the same time. Like it's this bright-ish area, and you have no reason to be as like you know on edge or tense as you are. But like the music and the atmosphere, it, it all lends itself to that. And I think that's you know a powerful testament to the music because you know while quiet like silence does wonders but so does so does sound and you get a lot of that especially in nintendo games um with the the music and, and even um probably one of my favorite soundtracks to any game is, is shadow of the colossus um like if you've never heard the soundtrack of the game you really need to go check it out it's freaking amazing it's a master they have that remastered on ps4 right yeah it's coming out soon they're remastering mm-hmm. it and gosh it's gonna be fantastic um i kind of just wish they'd make a new one to be honest but yeah but like it's they remaster i'll take that over nothing yeah i mean i think it's it might be i don't think they're rebuilding it from the ground up but uh it looks really good they shut off the e3 trailer but the music for that game um really really fits like as you get closer to beating a colossus or as um you fight certain colossus or colossi or whatever 
the music changes and the music gets more powerful. I think, uh, gosh, what it, there's a specific track that I absolutely love off of it. Um, that is probably one of my favorite video game tracks of all time. Um, <clears throat> and the composer for that game was just, just did an amazing job. I think it's the opened path. This is the Colossus theme. Um, and then the resurrected power, the two tracks off of that game that I just absolutely adore. Um, it, they're just the way that they lend themselves to the fights and the intensity of what's going on is is it's really something I can't describe. You have to play it for yourself and see. Um, but so that's... I have on my I have on my iPod three different playlists. I have video game music battle, which is like you know boss battle music and mm. other fight music and stuff. It's like kind of gets you pumped. I have. Video game music night, which I listen to usually when I go to sleep, and it's kind of like the softer melodies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then video game, I just called it Explore, I want to say, and that's for kind of everything else. So I have, I'm, I almost have more video game music on my iPod than like songs on my iPod. So, <laughs> well, like even even people don't like uh, <clears throat> the Sonic games that much like sonic adventure and sonic adventure 2 you know the sonic adventure 2 is probably it is in my top 10 games of all time um just because really i i couldn't tell you why i played the mess <laughs> out of that game when i was young i absolutely love that game i i, I think i think <laughs> sonic is right up there with kirby i can't tell you why i love sonic adventure 2 so much but i just absolutely love that game it is in my my top 10 games not because it's like fantastic but just because i love the game um, but I could like kind of like you were talking about with uh, Lord of the Rings, I could, I know every single musical cue and track off of that game, and like I know all the lines of dialogue to that game. But I know like every single musical cue. And a joke that's always made around Sonic is like the best thing about the games is Crush Forty, uh, just because their music is like so fitting of the game. Um, and and you know it is they're they're great. I you know, I I love what. Uh, the guitarist for that band does because he's gosh he's amazing um but like that's the things the things i remember are only are, are heightened by music you notice like if you think about certain memories in the games um that you've mm-hmm. played you hear the music as you think about the memories like mm-hmm. not not necessarily hear it hear it but like you 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 can hear it play with with whatever memory you're you're referencing with the game which you know it's crazy to me um, that it's that vivid. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, one, one of my favorite tracks is called "You're Not Alone," and it's from Final Fantasy IX. And it's, it like I can I can recall the scene almost like like line for line. It's when your main character Zidane finds out what he was created for. Essentially, he was created to destroy everything, and he just flips out, and all of his friends come and basically give him this big pep talk. And it's so it's so good. And it's probably the music probably only only plays for like maybe two minutes or so, but it's such a good scene and that track is just amazing it's so good well you always talking about like a moment like that at the end of super or not at the end of paper mario thousand year door um when you're about to like die because of the fight mm-hmm. and then like the music kind of picks up and it's very melodic and then everybody's like cheering you on and stuff yeah. Like it shouldn't be as like much of a pump up moment as it is, but because it's you know it's Paper Mario, but like that's one of the the things I think about. I'm like, man, that was heightened by music, and it, sh- it has no right to be, but it was. You know what I played not too long mm-hmm. ago was Donkey Kong Country Two, 
on my Game Boy SP, which I dug out of my which I dug out of my drawer somewhere and <laughs> saw that it still worked. So I played Donkey Kong Country 2. That series, Donkey Kong Country, just in general, has mm-hmm. such good music and such like underrated. Because when I think <laughs> of like awesome music in a series, like I don't really think of Donkey Kong Country. Mm-hmm. Man, I was like bopping along to Disco Train. They got uh, Mining Melancholy. They got it's so good. Like if you ever need like if you're reading or something, you don't want if you're like me and like lyrics bother you while you're trying to read or while you're trying to study <laughs> or something. Go go Google or YouTube like Donkey Kong Country playlist. You'll be surprised how good that music is in that series. I guarantee you. Yeah, it's my it, pro tip for the day. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's pretty awesome. Um. <clears throat> And that's you know that was one of the first uh, games that I played that I really remembered most of the music from was Donkey Kong Country. Um, I was awful at it when I was younger, but um, <laughs> that's what I remember. So yeah, um, we're pretty much in agreement though that that music is a r- pretty important part of video games, and it lends itself. Well, I mean, to if, it. if you have bad music, it's it's distracting, it's grating, it's, it's demoralizing. You know. Well, and like, why especially, would you listen to a bad CD? You yeah. Know? So why would you play a game with with bad music all the time? Mm-hmm. You you eventually end up muting wouldn't. it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, uh, one of the things that came out this past week or last week actually Friday, um, along with the release of Splatoon Speaking 2. Speaking of good music. <laughs> along with the release of Splatoon 2, we have the Nintendo Switch app, um, and a lot of people have been talking about it. We missed our chance last week because. Uh, Things, things are getting busy. Things are still busy. Um, <clears throat> but it was released, and we have it. And uh, Andy and I haven't actually been able to use the... Well, not, I wouldn't say actually haven't been able to use it. We have chosen not to use a voice uh, chat option on it. Mm-hmm. I use Discord when I play with my friends, or Skype. Um, reluctantly, yeah, I, use I use I use Discord as well. Yeah. Although um, we still haven't played yet. No, I was thinking about it last night, but I was like, I have to go to bed because I have to be up early this morning. <laughs> Um, it's probably, I was playing with Michael and he like kicked my ass the other day, so yeah, I need some so, practice. I'm honestly surprised they haven't updated a uh, Mario Kart Deluxe for this yet, though. Um, yeah, really... actually, good call. But <clears throat> so I want to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Nintendo Switch app. Um, first, right off the bat, um, it's very user friendly, uh, especially when you get mm-hmm. the, the Splatnet too. Um, you have like right when you open it up, you have. I really wish I could show this in, in a very good way, um, but you know my camera's not gonna pick it up well. Um, you have your stats, the guns that you're using currently, um, the current stages that are up, uh, stage info, uh, your last battles show that I have three defeats and one victory. Let's see, how, um, let's see how good this shows up. <clears throat> it shows you your lifetime inkage and it shows you a shop. And that's one of the really cool things I like about this. Um, is that you can actually go into a a shop on Splatnet 2 um, where you can get specific items that you can't get in the, that won't usually pop up in the game. You can order mm-hmm. them and have them sent. I just, I just ordered these uh, these little goggles right here. I don't know if you guys can see, but uh, my guy's just kind of, he's got this weird bucket hat on, and I want to be able to see his orange hair, <laughs> but you can't with that bucket hat. So these goggles, which are only available on this app, but for an obscenely high price, is yeah. going to be my saving grace. That's one of the things, uh, uh, before we get into it, I'll just keep talking about the good. Um, and then you can talk about, uh, then it shows you the, your battle stats. Um, right now I have 15 victories to 14 defeats. Um, I've got an average of 4.7 kills per game. Um, and 2.3 Where does it show you uh, kills per game? 
Um, it's going to be under your victory and defeat. Under your victory, it's your average. It's the little squid icon with the splat next to it. Oh, um, I see, I see. <clears throat> and then uh, you have the stage info on the front, like the very uh, bottom left. Um, it shows you what's... This is probably one of the more handy features, along with the shop. It shows you where you are in the time frame for the maps. Um, and then it, as you scroll down... You can see, so right now at 7, it's Humpback, Pump Track, uh, and Starfish Main Stage. Then at 9 p.m., it's going to switch over to Muscle Forge Fitness and Inkblot Art Academy. Um, and then at 11, it's Moray Towers, and, and, you know, so on and so forth. It shows you when um, they're going to switch over and what they're going to be, so you can expect, you know, you know what to expect mm -hmm. for the, the stages. Um, then it shows you for League Battles and Ranked Battles. And like we said, we haven't really tried out the voice chat. I don't really have a reason to, because it's it's... There's just a lot of better alternatives already out there yeah. that are much simpler. It just sounds more like a hassle to have to stay in-app the whole time, and I'm just, you know, using Discord's fine with me. Um, and it shows you your your uh, single-player stats, which, you know, don't really... It's not really impressive to show, but, you know, it's it's there. Um, my, my player stats are pretty awful, to be honest, guys. <laughs> Nine which, victories, 13 defeats, average of three splats per game. Yeah. Pretty so, pretty middle of the pack, but that's it's all in all it's it's nice. There's a lot of nice features, um, mm -hmm. pretty cool it's, things. It's very user friendly, very now, easy to navigate. Uh, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Now for the bad, the there's a few things that I am a little confused that are why they aren't included here. Um, you can't actually tell when your friends are online through the app. Um, so if I go to invitation list, I can't send or receive them. Um, it says you haven't sent or received any invitations to join a room via online lounge. Um, if you receive an invitation uh, or open this app from the shared invitation page, the room will be displayed here. Um, I don't understand that necessarily. Um, so yeah, basically I, what I you haven't do, even tried this, so I haven't even clicked on this yet. So I'm just reading this for the first time. Basically so, what you have to do is you in... In Switch, in the Switch, in Splatoon 2, you either go to the lobby or this uh, Salmon Run thing. You do the online lounge, and then you go to your phone, and then you create the room, and then you invite your friends using you know the different methods of invitation. Um, then they so, join so the room. So essentially, you have to use your Switch to see if your friends are online or not. This will just <clears throat> see, and this is the confusing part because. You, it looks like you go to, you get on your Switch, you create the online lounge, mm -hmm. you create a room on your Switch, you invite, like, you might, I don't know. It just seems to me like it'd just be so much easier to send out the invitation to your friends on the Switch because you're already on the Switch and you can't tell who's on, who's on or who's off if you're not on the yeah. Switch. And even, even on the Switch, it doesn't tell you if somebody's in game playing multiplayer or single player, so you're not mm. guaranteed. Uh, that they're going to jump into the game. Another thing that I thought was weird is that it doesn't display your um, friend code anywhere. So I can't go in. If somebody asks for me for my friend code, I can't go look for my friend code in the in the Switch app, um, which is odd you, to me. You can't. Yeah, you can't look at it on the Switch Online app, which is which is just another reason why it seems like. It's this weird kind of thing that's just there when the Switch should be able to handle this all. 
Yeah, and this, I, I, this isn't a criticism of the online app either necessarily, but uh, when I, I was trying to play a couple games with uh, Michael from Zelda Informer the other day, and it took us a long time to finally match up together because I couldn't I couldn't join his battle, then he couldn't join my battle, and then vice versa until the chain finally went, and then instead of us um, getting together and playing in um, like you know versus a couple other players, it put us in a one v one. Uh, situation right away, even though neither of us had clicked on it. So, I mean, we played that for a while, which is fine, but it was, it took a little bit to kind of get the, the ball rolling and to get us playing, so. And I don't know if, if you can do this, um, from what I understand, I don't think you can actually join games as a group. Um, but I may be I wrong. don't think so. Very, very possible that, you know, someone out there can correct, but, so, so we couldn't we couldn't get in a in a lounge and then join someone else. We just yeah. joined a random game and we were paired. We ended up on different teams. Yeah, right? that's what happened to me and my friends when we played. We we couldn't actually like when I joined, it was just me joining their you know chain of mm-hmm. games basically. So basically, you either have enough people for a private battle, and you then you can select the teams. Um, or you don't have enough people for your own private battle and you just join someone else. Yeah, and that's the thing that, that kind of irks me because, you know, in things like, uh, you know, Call of Duty or Overwatch, you you could have a bunch of people in a party and then you can go join different random games or even, you know, ranked games um, mm-hmm. in that party. Um, and you're you don't have to worry about you know, losing your friends, if if something happens, they can just join your group again. Um, I just don't fully understand that. And again, the, the thing that bothers me is that on the online app, you, you still can't see your friend code. I don't understand why that is. Um, actually, no, I think I do understand why that is. I think that the friend codes are attached to the system, not to the account. Um, but I may be wrong, but... Well, even that, make, even that's no good of an excuse because no, I'm aware. I'm know, not saying it's a good excuse. I'm just saying that that might yeah. be why. I I just don't understand because my friend, I was out with a friend and and she was like, "Well, what's your what's your friend code? Like, add me." And I was like, "I I don't know off the top of my head." And so I checked the Switch app and it's it's not there. And it just seems weird that the app that's designed for the online play of the Switch doesn't have the information needed for you to play mm-hmm. online. Um, Another thing that I find is weird about Splatnet 2, that name still sounds weird to me, is that you can't actually see how much money you have. Um, so when I go into the shop, I don't know if I'm, you know, if I'm, when I order something, if I'm ordering something that I can afford or not. Like, I, I have no idea. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I like I can almost forgive that one because it's optional if you want to buy it or not, and you can, like you can go ahead and see, um, like you can order it and then get rid of it almost right away. But it, it definitely works better, like pulling out your phone while you're already playing to order some gear. You know. Yeah. It's, but I mean, like if I'm out somewhere and I'm it, just, it is dumb. Like you think if you're on the shop page, you'd have your currency somewhere. Yeah. But I it's guess just not. weird. It's it's not on there. It's you know you can't see like it's ex- so basically what happened was I was out somewhere and I just checked it out and I was like oh that looks nice and I bought it mm-hmm. and luckily I had enough money to to complete the order or whatever when I jumped into Splatoon two but it's just weird to me that I couldn't see how much money I have like there's no way to see if I have money on here. Um, this is something that's simple enough that I could see um, getting fixed in an update. Luckily. Yeah. 
Hopefully. I mean, this I, is I don't like, know about the friend code. I'm less optimistic about that, but mm-hmm. I mean, overall, it's not a bad app. It's just that there's there's things that don't make sense about it, and I guess like again, the ugly part of it is the the voice chat and, and connecting the rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. I, I think the ugly part is that you have to be on your phone, have this app open the whole time. So so think of this and think of ugly. You have headphones plugged in from your phone to your ears probably, right? Mm-hmm. You have a cord plugged into your phone to the wall charger so that your phone doesn't die. You have an adapter plugged in from your phone to the switch so that it can connect and you can hear the game sound. I mean, there is cords everywhere. You're going to look like Dr. Octopus you know, pretty soon playing Splatoon 2, which I guess is fitting, but that's ugly. <coughs> I mean, it's just... We, we've, we've ranted about that before. I just, you know... The only proper way i guess to play it with uh you know on your phone would be if you use the standard headset with like the earbuds so you can have one ear in one ear out but then you lose you know the audio fidelity of being able to hear your friends or to to communicate crisply like the way that i'm talking to you right now i don't have the headset mic in my uh headset right now but i'm talking Mm -hmm. through through a microphone that i i use now whenever i play gaming just this i don't want to pick it up it'll make a loud popping noise a a samson mic um so uh, you know i'm not i'm not expecting that quality but it'd be nice to be able to plug these headphones in into my you know switch and be able to communicate like that or even just get wireless headphones Uh, i just i again i don't understand that whole setup the reason why they're doing what they're doing It, it just it seems counterintuitive to me, and it is. I'm not, mm-hmm. not saying it's not one, counterintuitive. One really unfortunate part about the Switch, uh, the console, is that it doesn't have a headphone jack. Yeah. So that you can't plug headphones in. And that... Well, it does. It doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like a big it has deal, a headphone but jack. like... Does it? Yeah, in the top it has a headphone jack. Um, it's, in, it's in the top. It's, it's oh, like I'm a, sorry. I'm sorry. I stand corrected. Yeah. I'm like, wait a second. It does have a headphone jack. <laughs> um... But yeah, it, it has a headphone jack, but I don't, but that's, there's no input for a microphone. Um, and I don't know if you could even use that, again, obviously we know you can't use it to voice chat. Um, and, you know, that kind of makes sense, kind of doesn't. I just don't understand the reasoning behind, you know, not doing a Bluetooth headset or, you know, something like that. Like, I, it just... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to how to justify what they're doing with the, the voice chat. I mean, but... like, it should only it should only improve from here. Um, I I don't know. I guess I had really low expectations for this app, so I was kind of pleasantly surprised by yeah. like the layout, what you could do, the that there was actually like things in the app that were advantageous to having it that you you know like exclusive gear that you can't get in the game yeah. i think that was kind of forward thinking to make people actually want to download this thing so i think a lot of people rolled their eyes at it mm-hmm. um it's but, not bad yeah, i mean it just has things about it that don't make sense yeah it's it's not great it, it probably hopefully is going to be updated and some of these some of these odd things that are that are not there or that are there are going to get removed or updated. So mm-hmm. uh, it it can only get better, you know. Yep. Uh, it was better than I thought it would be when it launched. <laughs> to be on, like to be honest. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. So moving on then, uh, yeah. last topic. Um, I want. I was just thinking about topics. Thinking about this the other day. Um, I've been really wanting to go back and play Ocarina of Time. Uh, 
You should. But I don't want to play it on my 3DS. I want to play it on the big screen. I just don't have a way to do that right now. Because um, I don't want to have to rebuy it on the Wii U. <clears throat> it's going to come out on the Switch at some point. We'll see. Um, but I've been thinking about Ocarina of Time. Uh, specifically, Ocarina of Time. Uh, I'm wondering, retrospectively, why was it such a huge success? Um, so I wanted to talk about that. And I know you said you could talk about that for days. Uh, so I'll My let friend. you... I'll let you take it and run run with it. Um, cause so I'm I'm still still formulating thoughts about it. There there are a couple reasons why this game is just the most timeless video game that was ever made. the The first and probably foundation reason is that structurally this game is unmatched, unrivaled. The controls. The, the pacing, the, the dungeons, the, the whole game is just mapped out so brilliantly and it controls so seamlessly and so flawlessly that it, uh, it's just, I, like, I want to play it now that we're talking about it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, and other Zelda games have taken that and ran with it, but Ocarina of Time just, like, it just perfected that, that whole, like, Maybe this is different for some people that played Ocarina of Time after, you know, some newer Zeldas as we've talked about before. But when I play Link to the Past, it's and it's very ho hum for me. When I play <laughs> when I play Ocarina of Time, it's like this game just it, it this is how a video game should play. It was built for the N sixty four controller. Every button had a use. Nothing nothing ever felt counterintuitive to use. It just it felt so good and so right to do everything um, that it encouraged you not only just to to explore, but just to just to keep at it, keep playing and replaying it because it it was just that like the the structure of it was just that tight. And and then like I mean the way that that game kind of progressed, like the the initial I wouldn't even say first half, but. Uh, Almost the beginner dungeons when you have that story, and then you know you could be playing that game if you're if you're a younger kid thinking that that game's about to end the the second that you get out of Jabu Jabu's belly and head towards Hyrule Castle, but you've got a whole other game waiting for you with five other temples that <laughs> it's just it was it was the way that that game's um, flow of uh, of gameplay and of narrative came out that just it it was so. It was so impressive for a game um, to me to see. So it's and a lot of it, a lot of it too, is obviously tied to the fact that you know it, I played it growing up and I loved it growing up. It was my first Zelda, so yeah, I have a soft spot for it. But uh, just like I, I mean, talking about iconic music in video games, like you could go track by track by track, and there's just like. There's just bangers on there. There's thoughtful pieces. There's it, it's it's a well, collection of who's who of great music hits game, in video game history. The game revolves around music too. Like everything about the yeah. game is is has to do with music. Like the how you get to temples, how you open up temples. Um, it's in the name, um, and I think that honestly, everything in that game works for its benefit. Mm-hmm. Especially the music. Like, um, gosh. The, the shadow temple and the bottom of the well were the most difficult things for me to do as a kid not because it was like difficult but because it was it scared me like i'm gonna be honest like it freaked me out like i think that was yeah, the first was time so in a game creepy. that scared me it was just so just so 
I, I'm going to I'm gonna throw this out there and tell me what you think, but I was actually a little bit more creeped out at the Spirit Temple, because kind of like the big bassy drums and then like that big statue. That, I don't know. I just kind of... It I was felt just, more Ugh. eerie to me, kind of like the Water Temple did. Um, but like the overall atmosphere of the Shadow Temple, and to a lesser extent the bottom of the well, like it, it was just perfect in how they executed it. And it was just terrifying um, to me as a kid. Like going back today, I'm like, oh no, no big deal. It's it's the Shadow Temple. It's the <clears throat> bottom of the well. Still pretty like unnerving. Yeah. Um, but so I I still get this feeling when I play Ocarina of Time, and I'll try and describe it. But it's like I don't know if I'm going to be able to adequately. But when I so when I was a kid playing Ocarina of Time for the first time. Um, I had thought I, I had thought that I was going to beat the game when I took the three spiritual stones to the Temple of Time, and then the whole cutscene uh, unfolded with uh, Ganondorf swooping in and Link being uh, being sealed away for seven years. And I realized I had this whole other adventure, so I went out and I I did all the prerequisites necessary to get into the Forest Temple. And I just I remember stepping into the Forest Temple for the first time, and the music just like it, it hit me like. It was so it was so atmospheric. It was so um, I don't know. It, it was just so it was such a moment. I felt like I was like watching someone else play this game rather than me playing it myself. And I was like, whoa! Like this this is amazing. Like I am playing an amazing game, and I'm gonna remember this gaming moment forever. And I have. And it was so like it was just it was one of those moments where I was just like, this this is incredible. Like this is like you know. People who say that video games are not art need to need to play this game and they need to experience like this um, to to really understand why you know what it is about video games that just hook people and make you a fan of them for life. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, like I don't know if that's if that's a good explanation or not, but like mm-hmm. that's when I think of Ocarina of Time, I think of that every time. Well, I think like you know the way that certain things are executed in games can evoke certain feelings and certain memories. Like, uh, um, for some reason, like, I don't know. I honestly wish I could tell you what was going on that made me remember this, but like, there was a specific point in my life that something was happening. And I vividly remember Noki Bay from Super Mario Sunshine. Like, I can tell you the very first time I went there what it was like, but I could not tell you why. I just remember, like, everything about that moment. And then even going back, um, you know, to, like, Ocarina of Time, like, the very first time I ever played that game, like, walking into the Shadow Temple, I was like, my skin crawled. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is, this is, like, should I be playing this? I'm like, five. It was just terrifying to me. Um... I, I can't I can't do horror movies just in case anyone's wondering. So like as a kid that was just awful <laughs> for me. Um But <clears throat> like I had nightmares <laughs> because of the Shadow Temple guys, like it was bad. Um I was a pansy kid. But you know, looking back on on how everything worked in that game's favor, like not not the time period that it was in, even though that helped, like certainly the graphics for that game now would not pass. Um but like the music, they still and, don't look bad though. They the don't. art style is the art style is very has has aged well. It, it like it looks dated and it looks old, but it doesn't look ugly. Like Final Fantasy VII, if you play it, that looks ugly. Oh yeah, no, that's that's Final Fantasy VII is really hard to want to play 
if uh, you didn't play it the first time. And that's yeah. what I'm running into right now. Yeah. Um, but like you, you look back at Ocarina of Time, and you know everything about it like fit in together. And that kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of how a little bit not all of the Zelda games, but how many of the Zelda games afterwards, you know, played out. And I attribute that like like you said, you're very musically inclined. So am I. Like when I when I think of specific areas in the game, I immediately can play that music in my head. Like Outset Island in Wind Waker, like yep. that that to me, the very very first time I ever played Wind Waker, and I went up into the uh, the little forest on top of Outset Island, like that was a moment I was like, man, like it, there was nothing specific about it that was like, man, this is mind blowing. But I was like. The, the the just small trumpet just dun dun and that was all just replayed mm-hmm. i was like man this is so atmospheric like it just it, it fits perfectly with what's going on and i think that that's one of the things that uh legend of zelda's always had going for it is how much the music fits in with whatever's going on um, yeah I, I mean that's that soundtrack is just it, it it might be the best ever for for any game that Ocarina of Time soundtrack. Yeah. I mean um, e- everybody everybody knows Gerudo's Valley. Like most recognizable off of there. Most one of the most covered I think one of the most covered video game songs. Yeah. Um but I mean and, like there there's just so much like if you start humming the windmill song, you know, I bet you that other people are going to start humming along with you or or they know that tune, you know, or they it, there's just there is just so much, and, and funny enough, like I, I want to say that's one of the only Zelda games not to have the main Zelda theme anywhere in the game. Ironically mm-hmm. enough, but uh, like yeah, I have the I have the sun rising as my alarm to wake up in the morning <laughs> on my phone. But I, like even so, even looking at Ocarina of Time from a technical standpoint, like it's one of the most influential games ever. So L targeting, locking onto an opponent, mm-hmm. uh, Ocarina of Time did that first. Now that's standard in video games. Pretty much every video game that there is that's an adventure game or a shooter game does that. Context-sensitive buttons. Ocarina of Time did that first. So, And, and that became a, an industry standard overnight. There's, You could go on. There's just so many things that that game did that just became industry standards or, or people looked at it and were just like, yes, this is the right way to do it. And the, the Ocarina of Time just did that and it and it was just such an example of what a great game should be that you just saw a lot of things that it did just become you, you saw traces of Ocarina of Time in other games and you still see them today. Well even then like <clears throat> I imagine that many people played that and were inspired to to make video games because of it. I think there's been some interviews with some developers that have actually talked about that. Um but like I just imagine some people like playing Ocarina of Time and like, this is great and I want to improve upon it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the way that uh, this happened or this happened and I want to do more with it. Um, yep. and- I mean, even Nintendo itself has done that with, with the Ocarina of Time formula because you can see that formula and or maybe structure, gameplay structure in pretty much every Zelda game, the 3D Zelda game, you know post Ocarina of Time, say for maybe Breath of the Wild, which still incorporates, you know, the best of what Ocarina of Time did. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part. For the most part. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it just... It's really hard to explain, though, to someone who's never played it before. Um, because it's like mm-hmm. you're explaining things that have 
that they've already played before, basically. So Ocarina of Time revolutionized how a lot of 3D third-person adventure games play. Um, I honestly don't think we'd have a lot of the games we have today if Ocarina of Time wasn't... Uh, oh, absolutely wasn't not. There, for for adventure games, there's there's pretty much pre-Ocarina of Time, post-Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Like you could you could almost put that down as the as the tipping point for for those games. So the benchmark was set, the the skeleton was laid out, so to speak. So uh, mm-hmm. you know all these games can build on it. And like I don't think we'd have games like Dark Souls or even Dark Siders without mm-hmm. Zelda. Um, and I, I know that's a really bold statement to make, but I, I you know I stand behind it that Ocarina of Time really revolutionized the way that. Uh, games or that that genre of gaming was was made from then on um and without it absolutely i don't think we'd be in nearly in the area that we are now uh, imagine if it was kind of a link to the past almost but in in quasi 3d so it was still top down but you could i'm I'm, i can't even picture it you know Mm -hmm. and it's funny to think of where the zelda franchise would be you know, had Ocarina of Time not not come out and did what it did. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just... That, that game, it's so important to Nintendo, to video games as a whole, obviously to the Zelda series. Um, you know, what can you say about Ocarina of Time that hasn't been said before? Like, <laughs> I, I want to go replay it. One, yeah. I actually got my girlfriend to play it last year for the first time, which was really fun. So watching her kind of go through that for the first time was was not nearly... Maybe not as rewarding as playing it for myself the first time, but like, like it was cool to see someone else kind of experience like, you know, all those like whoa moments for for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's you know, <clears throat> just overall, um, like I keep going back to music just because of how memorable the music in Ocarina of Time was. Like, there's there's a noticeable shift in the I guess like you said the first part of the game and the second part of the game where it's it's not necessarily upbeat but it's not as dark as the post master sword seven year shift um Mm -hmm. and that really lends itself to the the theme of you know the the second half of the game and it's just small stuff like that um that really makes the game as good as it is and it's you know I, i hate praising it over and over again because everybody does it all the time but you know it's it's good to look back at gaming and see where we came from um, so we can appreciate where we are. Like mm-hmm. Touching on that subject just really quickly, I was talking with someone in the comments the other day on Zelda Informer about um, Ocarina of Time versus Breath of the Wild in the, in the sense of how Ocarina of Time, I think, was more successful portraying kind of like a post-apocalyptic, or apocalyptic, if you will, setting, like after Ganondorf took over, then Breath of the Wild was. Because you go to Breath of the Wild, like all the, you know, aside from Castletown, all the townspeople are kind of happy everywhere. There's no real evidence of a whole lot of ruins, whereas, like, I mean, no great time, you see Zora's Domain is frozen, you see the huge rings of, of smoke around Death Mountain. Uh, Lake Hilly is gone, so... It's the little things that Ocarina mm-hmm. of Time does, you know, they and it... And it did it so well yeah so i think that's all we've got for this week then thanks for for joining us Mm -hmm. and we will see let us know your favorite ocarina of time memories yeah or i'm curious to see if like anyone else has like a moment like mine kind of (laughs) like like that forest temple moment where they were just like holy crap this is like unreal 
Yeah. So, yeah. See you guys next I think, week. I think Majora's Mask is next. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Thank you for tuning in as always. As always.